Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. All right. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Select Star. Hope everyone had a good holiday season. Um, Happy New Year's, even though it's a it's a little late here, but um, today we have a guest named Hiroko Nishimura, um, who is an author, a technical instructor, and an AWS hero. So thank you so much, Hiroko, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, and I know, so today we're going to jump into a little bit of your journey. I know you said that you have a, a unique path into tech and to where you got today. Um, but, you know, before we get started, would love to also hear sort of you introduce yourself, um, what it is you're doing now, and and even just for folks listening, if they're not familiar, what is it, what does it even mean to, to be an AWS hero? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I am a technical writer and um, newly published technical author. I just published my first traditionally published book with Manning Publication um, just last month, actually, and it teaches, I guess, introduces AWS to people with non-technical backgrounds and also helps them prepare for the AWS Certified Cloud Practitioner exam. And I also teach very similar content on LinkedIn Learning as a LinkedIn Learning technical instructor. That's awesome. And, well, congrats on your on your book. That's really exciting. Yeah, thank you. And um, I, yeah, I think people who don't know what the AWS Hero program is, don't even know that exists a lot of time. Um, it's basically a community and um, group of people that AWS basically says, hey, these people have been doing a lot of work to make, could be AWS more accessible or creating community around technologists who are interested about AWS or teaching about different concepts or just building really cool stuff in AWS. And there's a lot of different types of AWS heroes. Um, some people might be into machine learning. You know, some people might be into AI. Some people are do, you know doing some development type. And for me, I'm a community hero. So I basically create communities and I guess, spread the word that, hey, you don't necessarily have to be from a really technical background to be able to enter cloud computing and the tech space. And I usually joke that I'm probably the most untechnical hero, AWS hero, because I personally came from um, a special education background. So being in tech is kind of like a huge jump that I made without engineering or IT background. That's, I, that's, yeah. I, that's a good way to look at it. I like that. Um, I can relate in a way. I, you know, I work at, at HarperDB, a, a tech startup, we're a database company, and I'm surrounded by extremely technical and extremely intelligent people. Um, and even after four years of, of being here, I can certainly talk the talk, but um, not always walk the walk, especially when it comes <laughs> to those super technical topics. And I think that's really good though. You don't want um, everyone to have the exact same perspective because then, as you said, you can relate to these people that are maybe intimidated and don't have that technical background. You can at least relate and help um, translate or explain things in a different way and, and bring that different viewpoint. 
Yeah, I started out as um, I have a master's and bachelor's in special education. And after I got my degrees, I was like, oh, this might not be what I want to do. So I was completely lost for half a year trying to figure out what to do with my career. And I fell into tech by accident. Um, I actually applied to be a recruiter at a recruiting firm and they called me in for an interview, but they said, hey, uh, we filled that recruiter position, but um, you seem to speak English and you speak Japanese and we're actually looking for a bilingual help desk engineer for one of our clients. And they said, we understand you have no you know, technical background or engineering background, but if you're interested in learning we can teach IT skills, but we can't teach language skills. So if you want to try it out, we'd be happy to teach you IT skills so that we can take advantage of your language skills. And that was how I accidentally started my career in tech. I had no intention. I never even imagined I could even work in tech because I didn't have an engineering background. So um, I started my IT career as a junior IT help desk engineer. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's, it's pretty cool to hear how being bilingual opened opportunity, like that's such a clear example of how it opened opportunities for you. I think um, sometimes, you know, I, I've heard as a new mom, I, I think about like, okay, are, are we going to start languages early? I'd, I'd love for my kid to be able to speak multiple languages. And you, you hear people talk about like what type of opportunities that can open and just having that on your resume and having that be known, just um, it's almost like the company created this position for you, even if it wasn't the one that you originally wanted. It's really interesting um, how that led you down this path originally. Yeah, it was one of those things where I think if I hadn't had that language background, that wouldn't have been even a thing on my radar. And I yeah. think I would be having a very, very different career right now. <laughs> you know, they, they literally were like, Hey, we really need someone who can speak yeah. both languages. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's all awesome. we want. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. And so then did you, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy that role? Like, did that help you um, sort of expand your horizons and, and figure out what path you wanted to take in tech or, or how did that go? Yes, yeah, so that position was a um, tier one help desk position. And um, even though they said they'll train me and whatnot, I ended up Googling most things that I needed to do. And that kind of made me realize that, hey, this is a pretty learnable position. Like you can teach yourself if you know how to Google and you know how to understand and kind of extrapolate on what's available. And IT's first tier, a lot of it is the same problems over and over and over again. And you start getting pretty efficient at solving similar problems. And when you do hit upon something that's new, you kind of build upon what you've been doing and you kind of feel like you got another, you know, star or something in a video game kind of situation where you're like, hey, I got more experience in this. Now I can do this too. And so it was kind of like, leveling up every time you'd solve some new problem. And it was every day, a lot of it was the same, but at the same time, you're always learning something new. And I thought that was pretty cool. But with that certain position, they were basically a consulting firm that put their employees full time into these 
um, customer sites. So I didn't have anywhere I could go above where I was because tier two, tier three, and all the other positions there were already taken up. And unless those people were going to quit, I couldn't really move up and level up. So I um, got an offer to be an IT support analyst at a um, small company that managed a lot of IT for mid to, I guess, small to mid-level accounting firms and law firms and stuff in Manhattan. And there I kind of started, I guess, going more towards proactive support, server maintenance, you know, making sure the networks are up, the backups are running, stuff like that. And after a year there, I switched jobs again. Sorry, I switched jobs again back into a more help desk related role of technical services engineer at an IT startup. And that's where I started, I guess, learning about the cloud. I didn't really even know the kind of thing existed or what it was. All the other places I worked at, we were using legacy, you know, Windows servers, on-premises. You can touch it. You can feel it. If you pull the network cable out, you know, it goes down. But um, the IT startup was like, hey, everything in the cloud, you know, we're going to use SaaS for everything we can. And it was kind of the first time I felt like, hey, this is something I grew up with. I grew up with social media. I grew up with the internet and all these services that I've been using as an end user. And now I was kind of administering these things as a administrator. And I was like, hey, these things are new. I'm new. Maybe this is something I could do, even though I don't have, you know, 10 plus years of experience in tech that it kind of seemed like anyone who was working in IT had at the time. And so I started kind of looking more into cloud computing and SaaS and where I could go from there because I was kind of back to tier one support and learning this place allowed me to kind of expand and keep on adding more and more to my repertoire. So I was doing tier one, two, and three, uh, whatever came up, but it kind of gave me this opportunity to be like, hey, I could maybe find a career path out from support here. But um, then I didn't even know what was available. So that kind of was another stress point after a while when I got comfortable. I was like, okay, I did this for a year or two. Uh, what's available now? And not having like a solid engineering background, I didn't really know what was even was available. So I felt kind of stuck for a while trying to figure that part out. Yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting. I like how you say, I like when you said, well, I'm new and also these concepts are new. And, and um, someone I was talking to recently put it into perspective of like, we forget how new all these concepts are that we're talking about. We forget how new the cloud is just on the grand scheme of things. And so, as you said, it is kind of unfair to expect everyone to have like 10 years, 20 years of experience in an area when, um, you know, sometimes that's actually not even going to be helpful. It might be detrimental because you have like a more old school way of understanding and, and you don't have this like modern view on the technology that's constantly changing and you have to kind of constantly be learning anyway. And so I think that's really interesting how you um, took that opportunity to learn. And um, it sounds like you did a lot of self-learning and, and studying and um, 
have have used that to now help teach other people. Um, how did how did you get to where you are today to decide to you know write a whole book? Um, what was that process like? And um, you know how did you decide that that would be kind of the next step um, after you had you know gained the concrete understanding that you had wanted? Yes. So this was also completely accidental. Seems like most of my career <laughs> was accidental, but hey, I think that's pretty um, common. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it turned out well for me, so I don't yeah. mind. But um, the thing that I realized back to what you were just saying is um, all this stuff are so new that even if I started now, in 10 years, I could be one of the veterans because I've been doing this for 10 years at that point. And mm -hmm. realizing that I think gave me a lot more confidence or the feeling of, hey, maybe I can start as a complete newbie right now and progress in my career and not have to worry about the fact that, you know, other people might have 10, 20, 30 years in the legacy systems because I'm like, I could be one of the veterans in this new type of computing. And so... Uh, one of the things that I was looking into was Amazon Web Services because our IT startup was using AWS and we were thinking about migrating a lot of our resources there. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my friends had recently gotten a certification, the AWS uh, Solutions Architect Associate certification. He was like, oh, this is a great certification. You should like check it out. And so I went over there to AWS and was like, hey, what even is AWS? <laughs> and that's kind of where I started. <laughs> and it just kind of seemed like no one could really explain to me what even AWS was. It's like, you know it or you don't know it. And so it actually took me quite a while to figure out what even AWS is. And um, I guess the simplest way is it's kind of everything. It It's all these different services that used to be, you know, on premises, it used to be on servers or used to be on your computer or whatever, but you can now access it through the internet and you can build a lot of stuff using it. And it has everything. And I think a lot of people who are looking at it from the outside don't even realize how many services, small services it has that um, no one ever talks about. Like you can text people with it. And you can email people with it. And mm -hmm. there's even a video chat service that I still have not seen anyone except Amazon employees use. Um, but <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> it's there. It's there. Um, and so I was like, oh, wait, this thing does everything. You know, it's not from the outside. It looked like this really scary behemoth of like, dark clouds. I was like, I have no idea what's inside here. Everyone says AWS, AWS, but I have no idea what it is. And so I decided that um, to maybe try to use it to get to the next stage in my career as I'm trying to figure out what to do next, I will get the um, AWS Solutions Architect Associate certification. And I told that to my manager and my manager was like, okay, okay, um, that's great. But why don't you try this AWS cloud practitioner certification exam? It just came out. It's more basic. It's the foundational level certification. And at the time it was very, very new. No one really had taken it. It was 
I think when I took it, it was only out for a couple months. So he said, why don't you try this first? And then you get this, you kind of get the uh, basic concepts down, and then you can try the solutions architect associate exam. And it'll probably be an easier way for me to go because at least I would have the fundamentals down beforehand. Um, and I was like, okay, sounds good. You know, if I'm going to get brownie points for a foundational certification, I'll take it. Um, turns out it was a lot harder than I had expected because a lot of the resources that were available at the time, um, it took me a couple of years to figure out why I couldn't understand what was going on and why it was so difficult for me to figure it out, even though I had maybe three or four years of IT experience under my belt at the time. But it was because most of the resources were um, utilizing the things that they were teaching for the Solutions Architect Associate exam. So even though they might say that they don't require any cloud background or you can be completely new to the cloud and they teach it to you like, you know, you're, you haven't had any experience, um, they still expected you to have like 10 years of IT experience as a systems administrator because the audience space for people who were taking Solutions Architect Associate exams were engineers. But the cloud practitioner exam, the audience space was completely different. It was marketed more for people who don't build in AWS, but more for people to understand what it does, how it's built, and what the services are so that you can kind of speak the same lingo that the engineers were speaking. So when you repurpose resources that were meant for IT engineers with 10 years of experience and infrastructure knowledge to for a certification that is catered towards people with potentially zero IT experience, um, it makes it very difficult to have the information stick because you're taking advantage of the fact that you assume um, the people who are taking these courses or reading these blog posts or reading these books have a certain level of technical expertise, which this certification was not meant to be catered towards. So um, long story short, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I studied a lot. I took a lot of courses and stuff, and it was two weeks before the exam, and I still had no idea what was going on. And so I created a study blog for myself um, after having a talk with my brain going, how do I learn best? And I learn best when I take some information and then regurgitate it in my own words so that it sticks better. And apparently that's a pretty common way to study and learn things um, is to teach someone else. So I decided to make this blog. It was called awsnewbies.com. And I just took notes, notes, notes about everything in the exam and then regurgitated it out onto the blog as study notes for myself. And I did that in like a week and I created the website in a week and then studied it for a couple of days and took the sort of AWS cloud practitioner certification exam, um, got the certification and I was like, yay, I'm done. Uh, I did what I said I will do. And I, I decided I'll keep the blog up for a year because I was hosting it on AWS free tier and it was free for a year to host. And I was like, hey, if it helps like one or two other people in this year, you know, I did some good for public. 
And um, what really surprised me was within a month or two, I think I was getting over 10,000 hits from Google for this blog. Um, and I realized there's actually a pretty big audience space for this. If I had all this problem trying to figure out what was going on with the certification exam, it seemed like a lot of other people were having the same problems. And around then, um, a content manager from LinkedIn Learning reached out to me asking if I'd be interested in creating uh, introductory AWS courses for LinkedIn Learning, which used to be lynda.com. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, 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 uh, you, you, you know, I made this website because I had absolutely no idea what I was talking about, right? <laughs> uh, that's, I, I may not be the right person to be creating these things. And um, I don't even know if the content manager remembers saying this to me, but it was one of the most, I think it's like the building block of why I do what I do. And what she said to me was, um, they have, they, as in LinkedIn Learning, have a lot of very experienced and very brilliant instructors for their mid and advanced level courses because they have, you know, great instructors that can teach these very, very difficult concepts really well. But it's actually really difficult to teach foundational and beginner concepts for these people sometimes because they are so good at what they do and they've been doing this for so long that they don't have the beginner's mind that I have as a literal beginner to be able to understand what questions these other new newbies who are trying to watch these courses have and then to explain it in ways that people can understand who don't have these technical backgrounds. And I think the fact that I have this very random um, degree in special education really helped in that part because my whole entire six years in college was devoted to figuring out how to modify and accommodate for people who learn differently and people who may not have certain knowledge of concepts that other people have. And that was kind of my aha moment where I was like, wait, as a newbie in tech and someone who apparently has the ability to explain things they don't really understand after reading a few blog articles, but still have the same questions that my audience base has, I'm kind of uniquely situated to create these courses or content to help people go from zero to one. There's a lot of people who can teach really well from you know five to 10 or five to 100, but I've come to find that that zero to one where someone knows nothing about a concept and then getting them acquainted with the fundamentals and the vocabulary is one of the hardest things to do. And um, that's kind of the space I've been living in for the past four years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it's really, um, I love the way that you said that you're able to build upon the skills that you have and to be able to be an instructor and an educator and to create this content that's really helping this sort of niche group, I would say. I mean, it sounds like it's probably a, a pretty large group because obviously there's going to be beginners every year. Um, but you found this gap and this hole in the system and especially in the way that people were learning the material. And I think it's really cool that you pulled upon your experiences learning in university to be able to then help those people and create the content that's needed in a really constructive way and not just like 
you know, not just, okay, here's just a jumble of notes. Like, hopefully this helps. It sounds like you really took the time to thoughtfully think of how did, how does this group of people learn differently from the material that's already out there? Um, and obviously that's been successful for you and, and for your audience and, and your community. And, and now with your new book, um, it's, it's really great. I can see, I can now see all the pieces falling together of like how you, um, got to where you are today. Yeah. I spent, you know, the couple of years I was working in corporate tech being like, Hey, you know, my background in special ed and stuff I should just like you know wipe that from my resume <laughs> almost it's like completely useless I've moved on I'm gonna be an engineer from now on and it was I think it was very cathartic and was a great feeling to be able to be like hey I don't have to pretend to be someone else I can bring together all my experiences and that actually uniquely helps me be really good at what I love doing and this like niche that I created basically a job that's just for me. And that's kind of like a really interesting way of looking at working and career building because I've always grown up thinking I'm going to work at a company and I'm going to have a role that is assigned to me and I will be that person and I will be working that job. And since I realized that there are so many ways of working, I realized that actually, I could make something, I could make a job for myself where I'm uniquely suited to do it. And I really enjoy doing it. And when I find a new interest, I can just weave that into what I currently do without having to jeopardize my career. Mm -hmm. And that's, I, I'm also a new mother, but that's one of the things I really want to teach my child is that, you know, some people thrive in corporate settings, some people thrive in roles that they're really good at. And then other people like me, like we kind of have to go our own way. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we failed or just because we couldn't find the corporate, um, you know, a certain job title to fit us doesn't mean, you know, there aren't other places where you can really shine. And if like I would never have imagined in, you know, 2018 that I would be teaching online or that I would have had, you know, over 350,000 people take my courses or that I would have published a book on this entirely foreign to me concept. And, you know, it's kind of like a dream come true, except I didn't even know that was a dream kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible yeah it's it's the process of of learning what the dream is and even if that happens after the fact that's great I think that's you know it's also a valuable lesson and reminder for people of any age but especially younger folks um you know who have so much pressure to figure out what it is that they want to be doing in 5 10 15 years and that even goes back to like what you study in university and but it's so common for people to not necessarily work in that field, but as you said, still be able to build upon those experiences and, and use that to bring a unique viewpoint to whatever it is that you're doing. And I think um, a lot more businesses these days are understanding that they need people with different backgrounds and, and different majors or different experience or whatever it may be, because then other, you know, you don't want 20 people in the room to be saying the exact same thing and agreeing. You want to have debates and um, be looking at things differently and, um, I, I think that's a really, 
valuable lesson or reminder um, that you that you say there. And it's okay to not know what the dream is. If you discover that you're living the dream after the fact, that's kind of the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to be an author. I just didn't think, you know, I'd be writing a book about cloud computing, but you know, <laughs> you, you take what you can get. <laughs> hey, it's your first book though. So I have a feeling there will be more and maybe some will be technical and, and some won't be it. I, I've always heard that the first one is, is the biggest hurdle and that, you know, once you get that done that you can um, kind of do anything. So I think that's a, a pretty big accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. I think another going back to kind of um, bringing together all your backgrounds and experiences into your career. I think what was really interesting to me when I became a technical writer is that I've been doing technical writing all along mm -hmm. because I was teaching myself um, how to be uh, basically IT engineer and Googling and asking questions and stuff like that. And one of the kind of foundational reasons why I started writing down everything I did and like how-to articles and stuff like that is because I had brain surgery when I was 22 and I had like really bad memory. So even if I figured out how to do something today, I didn't have any guarantee that the next time I needed to do the same thing, I can do it again. Oh, so wow. I, whenever I figured something out, I wrote it down, like I wrote step by step how to do it in ways that I maybe next week will be able to figure it out, which had to be pretty, um, pretty like to the point. Wow, I couldn't yeah. leave things out. I couldn't leave things out because then I would get confused. So the fact that I've been doing that all my career um, actually turned out to make me a really good technical writer because yeah. I don't leave things out. I explain things in ways that someone looking at it the first time can understand because I become a beginner every time I try something again and again. So um, I create these courses. I write a whole entire book. And, um, you know, during the publishing process, they make you reread your manuscript over and over again to, you know, catch errors or rewrite things. Every time I read it, I'm like, man, this person explained it pretty well. I'm learning something new, except I wrote it like a month ago. <laughs> but I'm awesome. like, I, don't, I don't remember that I wrote it. And I'm going like, oh, I finally get what this is, what this service is. Oh, wow. So the fact that, you know, this thing was a huge disability for me. I have very severe executive function disorder. You know, my memory is not very good. Yeah. And uh, focusing is really difficult for me. So I was doing all these things to try to um, accommodate and make sure that I can work despite all the problems I was having. And that in turn made me really good at what I do right now as a career. And that was also, I have a lot of all these aha moments, but that was another aha moment of where I can, I finally felt like I can be open with my disabilities right. and be like, Hey, actually, because I have these disabilities and I have all these difficulties, this actually makes me really good at what I do. And you want my skills because I know what I'm doing, because this is how I've been working for the past you know, 10 years or something. Um, and so that kind of brought my special ed background in and then that brought my disability in. And 
So when I say this is kind of like a really weird dream career that I didn't even realize was a dream career, it's actually the first time I can really, yeah, I can really (laughs) be out about my disabilities. And then that actually becomes a merit, not a demerit. Yeah. Um, Because when people hear you have a brain thing going on, they kind of get really, I don't know, they everything suddenly becomes it's because you're incompetent, not because, hey, you had a bad day or you didn't sleep very well, or you didn't have enough coffee. It's like, oh, you didn't do this, or oh, you screwed this thing up. It must be because you're incompetent because you have a brain injury. And it's like, no, we also have bad days and we have good days. Yeah. So it was very difficult to kind of disclose all these stuff that was going on and disabilities I was going through. But um, now as a freelancer and a technical writer with all this, I guess, um, trail of resources I've created to back me up, I can really be open about my disabilities and like the accommodations I may or may not need. And I think that's like a really big thing that I'm really glad I was able to fall into because it's really difficult to live life masking all of these and overcompensating um, for all the difficulties that could be avoided if people had a little more understanding about what you can and can't do. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an incredible um, achievement. So, you know, kudos to you for figuring out a way to overcome those challenges. And, and as you said, not letting it hold you back or define you or define the way that people are looking at the way you're working, you you found a way to turn it into something really good and into into a positive, which um, you know, as as it as they should be looked at, but you know, it, it's not always that way. And so that's really incredible that you've um, found a way to not only overcome these challenges, but to turn it into an opportunity and into a really unique skill set. Um, that's that's really incredible. Yeah, it's very, I think I was very fortunate in the situations that I was in that I happened to be studying special ed and I was taught how to accommodate and modify curriculums and life skills and stuff to be able to help people with disabilities live as well as they could. And then I became disabled when I was 22 and I'm kind of my own you know, case study number one, where I'm trying to figure out how, despite all the problems I was having, that I'll be able to work or I'll be able to live independently. They were telling me, you know, I'll never be able to work full time. I'll never be able to live independently. I would always have to be um, taking care of my, my parents. And I was like, well, that may be the case, but let me try to figure something out first. And if it really doesn't work out, then that's fine. But if it worked out, then great. And um, turns out I can work. It just, I tried the corporate eight to five thing for five, six years. I got rheumatoid arthritis from the stress. So I was like, okay, um, <laughs> need a new me. way of working. Not for me. Yeah. <laughs> and now I work as a freelancer and it's like, I work when I can work. And when right. my brain and my body is like, hey, let's go. And when I'm in the, like my, I guess my slump mode where 
I'm like really exhausted or having brain fog or my body's not cooperating and I'm flaring up with my arthritis, I just take a break and it's fine yeah. because I work on like a commission or I work on royalties. Right. So um, because I have these online courses up with LinkedIn Learning, I basically created my own maternity leave, even though I'm freelance because my paycheck doesn't change uh, month right. to month. It's just my royalties. So it doesn't really matter if I'm working or not working. Yeah. And as someone awesome. with like all these multiple disabilities where I don't know when I can work and when I can't work, this kind of payment structure is really, really beneficial to making sure I have income coming in at all times. Right. So again, it's like cliche by now, but this is kind of my <laughs> dream way of working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You really have like got the full setup and and figured it out. And that that takes it takes time and it definitely takes um, you know, personal drive. And when you don't have someone to constantly be managing or or checking in on you, that just um, you know, you really took the initiative to to lay this out exactly how you want. And it's clearly working out well. So um I think it's a it's an awesome story and it's inspiring for me and I'm, I'm sure for anyone listening and just kind of a reminder that, you know, life is short and don't stay in something that you're super unhappy in. If you, you know, if you can, and if you have the option to try something different, um, you know, it, it seems like it's going to be worth it in the long run. So I really appreciate you sharing this story. This has been really, really interesting. Um, and before we kind of wrap up here, one last thing, I was going to ask is if, um, you know, and obviously this would just be like a tiny little snippet of what you have included in, in your book and in your courses and things, but do you have any like really high level tips or like the number one thing um, that you would tell people that are, you know, non-engineers getting started out trying to learn AWS? Like, is there any sort of overarching tip or theme um, or is it just such a big animal that you kind of got to like dive in and, and and um, look at all the different services and areas, as you mentioned. Um, so there are definitely like the core services and foundational concepts. Um, that's actually very well documented. But mm -hmm. I think what um, something that really spoke to me was I was actually on a podcast interview like this a couple years back with one of my students. Um, she oh, actually... Cool got her certification by taking my courses and she was like really excited to talk to me and she wanted me on her podcast and I went in and something she told me really um I was like oh my gosh I'm so glad I do what I do is she was saying that so she was a sales engineer but um she doesn't have an engineering background she was doing sales for a SaaS company and her clients um and I guess the software that they were providing uh, worked on AWS. And so she needed these, you know, core services and names and concepts down in her belt so that she can communicate with her engineers and her clients. And she was having the same problem I was having where it was just so overwhelming. I think there's like maybe at least 120, if not like 200 services available on AWS right now. Mm -hmm. And and like over a dozen different service groups and she was getting really overwhelmed and she would like me was trying to take courses was reading blogs trying to read books trying to figure out what the heck this behemoth is and she was getting really discouraged because it was so difficult to figure out and one thing that she said to me was 
taking your courses made me realize, me as in her, her realize that it's not that everything is quote unquote too technical for her to understand as someone without a technical background. It's just that I hadn't, she hadn't found the correct medium and the medium just happened to be the way I explain things. And she's right. like, the way that um, I was able to explain things, she understood. And that gave her this understanding about herself that it's not that she's quote unquote, not technical enough to understand AWS and learn about AWS and learn about engineering concept. It's just that she just hadn't found the correct way for her to learn right. um, efficiently until that point. And I think that's like one of the most important things I've heard. And one of the, like the best things I've heard about the content I create that yeah. it had someone realize that, Hey, I can do this. It's just that I just hadn't found the you know, method that works for me. And she said, from now on, I'm going to just keep on going. And if I find that I can't understand something, I'm just going to assume I just haven't found the right way for me to understand it and keep on looking because she's like, it's not too quote unquote, you know, technical. It's just that I just need it explained differently. Right. And I think that's like such an important message that you can find out about yourself and you know, anything that you're trying to learn, it's like, it's no, it's not that it's not for you. It's just that you just haven't found the way that you learn to be offered to you yet. And it's there right. somewhere. Yeah. Out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I think that's a, a really good um, note to end on is just how important the medium is that you're learning through. And there's, for some people, the formula is lots of different avenues and maybe lots of different instructors and courses. And for some people, it's finding that one, um, you know, that one perfect book or one perfect course that's really in the voice that you can understand. And so um, I think that's a great reminder. And in this day and age, there's so many options out there. So um, <laughs> don't just stop at like the first one you try. And I, uh, again, it's really great that you found this niche of um, the type of content that needs to be created for people that aren't from a traditional technical background. Um, that just makes everyone feel more inclusive and, and not feel like they're not a fit. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.